You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another day to talk some Blue Jays with you. And we are, we have some positive things to talk about from last night's Blue Jays game against the Red Sox, but there's one overwhelming negative, you know, aside from the fact that it was a loss. I'm going to try to sandwich it as best I can in today's episode of the program. So we're going to talk about Ryan Tapera in the second segment. And we're going to talk about just a couple of bits and bites that the Blue Jays did really well that I really liked in last night's game and, and just kind of go forward on that. It's it's going to be a mixed bag at the end of it, but we'll we'll close with a nice thing. I, I swear, get you get y'all out of this episode on a positive note. But I said it's a sandwich, so we're going to start positive. So the big takeaway from last night's Blue Jays game, definitely not the seven runs that the Red Sox put up in the seventh and eighth innings. No, we want to talk about the brilliant start from rookie Ryan Barucki, favorite of the program. He's a darling boy who who is single-handedly pulling that rotation out of the absolute mire. And watching Ryan Barucki work last night, and and this was always going to be a tough opponent for Ryan Barucki to deal with. In his short time with Toronto, his second shortest start of his career came against Boston. He's only pitched a combined eight innings and two starts with an ERA of nine, just Boston was able to find him and and hit him hard and hit him often. And so going into Fenway last night, Ryan Barucki kind of had to try and reestablish himself, especially against these kind of power teams of the ALEs, the Bostons and New Yorks that he, he struggled with for the most part this season. So watching Ryan Barucki go in there with a, with a assertiveness with a confidence in his pitches, he was using his slider really well last night. Like, it was moving all over the place on batters. Jackie Bradley Jr. looked like he didn't know where the heck it was. Barucki was on fire. He was he was dealing well. Got Mookie Betts to strike out, which he does not do very often. Through six innings of work, he had a clean slate. Given up two hits, walked one. It was... The kind of start that Blue Jays fans dream of, that Blue Jays fans just want to, you know, stick directly into their veins and just sustain themselves on that for the rest of the season, watching Ryan Barucki go out there and do that to Boston was so much fun. It was it was so nice to see a Blue Jays starter, again, performing well, getting through two-thirds of a game, getting through it spotless. And I... I I think taking that in the context of what happened in the seventh inning, there's there's a lot to say for what Ryan Barucki's been able to do, and and even the strides he's made just this year. Because 
Um, last month on the podcast, we talked about Baraki and his struggles in New York, his struggles with Baltimore, with Kansas City, and how it seemed like he was almost coming unglued a bit as a starter, trying to deal with runners on base, trying to deal with adversity. It looked like he was having problems. And so far in September, he has bounced back very well. A couple of strong starts. Quality start against Tampa Bay. Quality start last night against Boston. And he has looked more composed on the mound. And and I guess that does come with, you know, acting like he's been there before, going out there and, and doing his job. And, and again, being the kind of pitcher that the Blue Jays need to be able to say is in their system going forward. A guy who can go out there and be an MLB quality starter. And he definitely looked the part last night against Boston. Again, he was just dancing through that lineup. Like the MVP candidates that Boston had were not causing any problems. Mookie Betts can't do anything. Sit down. JD Martinez gun. Isn't going to help you here. Sit down. Xander Bogarts, don't care if you're hitting cleanup, sit down. Like, it was nothing to him, which is exactly the kind of attitude that if you're going to survive as a pitcher in the AL East, you need to have in, in working through those guys. But I I definitely understand the move that John Gibbons made in getting Ryan Barucki out when he did. I mean, it, it seemed innocuous at first. Um, the, the walk that Baruchy gave up to Bogarts. But then the the play that changed it all, and we're going to talk about it a little later, that's Steve Pierce triple. That is the kind of play that, you know, would definitely have unsettled Baruchy, and I think Gibby was actually really smart to take Baruchy out at that point. So we can still kind of appreciate Ryan Baruchy for what he did last night and that is pulled the best team in major league baseball scoreless through six and give his club the chance to win and and leave that game with a chance to win which is all you can really ask out of any of your starters just don't don't put teams in a hole early give them a chance to go out there and, and earn that victory and that's exactly what ryan barucki was able to do last night it's a huge boost for him i mean he's he's already locked in a 2019 rotation spot in my mind, but again, being able to point to performances like this and say he's not just being out there because who else? It's being able to point to performances like that and see that is a major league quality start. That is why he's in the rotation. That's why that that's so good. And if he's going to be a number three starter next year, which barring any major free agent signings could very well be the case for Ryan Baraki, that is the kind of start that cements himself as that number three guy as as someone who can bring bring a lefty arm in and just be an inning eating guy a guy like i said who gives you a chance to win that's huge and like i said he did leave with a chance to win last night but he did not get that win and we're gonna talk about why ryan barucki did not get that win right after this break So, yeah, when we left off, Ryan Barucki had left the game. Steve Pierce had victimized the Blue Jays, victimized his old team. It was a runner on at third, which is fine. I mean, 
it it is what it is. But in comes Ryan Tapera. And there were Blue Jays fans on Twitter who were disheartened to see Ryan Tapera enter in that spot. But one fans have to remember, this is not the bullpen that started this year. Sung Juan Oh ain't walking out of that bullpen. John Axford ain't walking out of that bullpen. Tyler Clippard, you don't want him to walk out of that bullpen. Because I guarantee you, the only arm in that bullpen that would have set off more alarm bells for fans than Ryan Tapera was Tyler Clippard. And two, Tapera's been Gibby's guy, Gibby's fireman for the majority of the time he's been up with the club since he stopped ping-ponging between Toronto and Buffalo. Ryan Tapera's been that reliable guy to come in and, and shut batters down, but the inherited runners have been an issue for Tapera and and when we got into a conversation on Twitter about Ryan Tapera that was that was a problem is that he let those inherited runners score and sure enough as he got into the game it it started out well like like he he did what he needed to do to start proceedings but just it, it quickly came unraveled again after he walked Eduardo Nunez, and there was that whole confusion from the Boston dugout who's coming out to face Ryan DeBerra. Is it going to be Mitch Moreland? No, instead it was Brock Holt. And Gibby could have made the choice there to go with Tim Meza, who had been warming up, but, you know, he he held on. He's he's Ryan DeBerra's guy, left him out there, and Tapera served up a a ball that I said on Twitter just eked out of Fenway Park over that waist-high fence. And then, like, every Fenway Park apologist just like, eh, it's 380 feet, still eked out, still barely cleared. The, the distance to the wall does not matter in eking out. It still eked out that waist-high wall. So, whatever. Anyway, Holt knocks it out of there, and... You know, that that's it. Jam done. No way the Blue Jays are coming back from that. They used four pitchers to do it. But, yeah, they're, you did not feel the Blue Jays were coming back on a night where it turned into another bullpen game for the Red Sox. And again, the Blue Jays could not do anything with that bullpen. It's like continuously facing fresh arms just baffles the Toronto Blue Jays. And it kind of sucks because they... they seemed to be doing well against Bobby Pointer when when he was out there. Justin Smoke worked him over hard. Yen Yen Solarte worked him over hard. He used up 18 pitches on two batters. Like that was good. But other other than that, like it, it again the Blue Jays were just heavily aggressive. But we're we're getting off track here. We're not here to talk about the Blue Jays offense today because that's too much. It's too much sadness in this sandwich. So Ryan Tapera leaves the game having blown his eighth save of the year. He takes a loss. He's still sporting a respectable ERA, but there's just this sense that Tapera's not near as effective as he has been. And he's it, it's it's tough when your biggest mistakes come in the most vulnerable spots. And when you think about Ryan Tapera 
this season. You do essentially remember him for the eighth inning blowups against Boston, where he gave up four runs and and essentially turned that one into a loss. You think about him uh, in the Oakland series when he he wasn't really a part of the blowup, but it was just bad. You think about him in the the White Sox series where he gave up four runs in the eighth inning and everything just fell apart there. Like Tapera's worst outings have come in the worst times for him. And I I stayed on the broadcast after the game and Cliff Floyd was talking about how it was obvious Tapera was showing a lot of frustration on the mound. And as a batter, like that's just, you know, ringing the dinner bell. It's time to eat. It's time to get those hits, which is a good assessment to make. And it kind of ties with Baraki as well, because we've seen with this Blue Jays team that, that there has been an issue with the mentality going forward in some of their pitchers where they just get rattled. They don't get a call going the right way or they, they make a mistake pitch and, and they walk a guy or they give up a hit and they're not showing the kind of resiliency that would lead to more success. And again, I don't want to pin like Tapera as, as a problem child in the bullpen. I mean, despite what Toronto fans may think, that was the first time he'd given up a run in a month. Like, like he'd, he'd made 12 appearances scoreless since then. He, he was doing all right. Just when your mistakes come in the most high profile instances, that's when the perception changed. I mean, no one remembers the 30-odd years Jim Joyce was a competent MLB umpire. They remember the one instance where he cost Armando Galarraga a perfect game. So, Tapera has kind of become the Aaron Loop 2.0 for this team, and that when he goes out in these high-quality, high-adrenaline situations, he's not performed well for the Blue Jays. And it doesn't matter this year, but it does make you wonder going forward, can Ryan Tapera be a solid part of the bullpen going forward? Or is the workload too much for him? He did appear in 73 games last year, which was top 10 in MLB tied with old friend, Brett Cecil among others. But the workload that he shouldered as that main guy, especially now, especially since, Oh, and Axford and Loop are all gone and traded. Since it's essentially just him and Tyler Clippard who have experience in late games. Because as as much as I loved tooting his horn earlier this season, Danny Barnes isn't showing he can be that guy. Like, Taylor Guerrieri is not that guy. Jake Petrica is not that guy. So it has to be Ryan Tapera for better or worse. And he has to be able to go out there and show he has the fortitude to maintain his ability to keep games in winnable situations for the Blue Jays, which we've seen with his ninth inning struggles. That's been an issue for him. So I'm not sure if the Blue Jays have to look potentially in the future, like at a role shift for Ryan Tapera, maybe make him the seventh inning guy. You can keep Ken Giles for a little bit. He's still under arbitration. You can hold on to him and maybe try and develop that eighth inning guy, whether that's Zach Jackson, whether 
Nate Pearson eventually shifts into a bullpen role. Uh, maybe, you know, one of the other younger guys, Justin Schaefer, you, you think he has that fortitude? It has to be someone who can show they can not let the nerves get to them in that instance. And for Ryan DePera lately, it, it just doesn't seem like he has the ability to keep his calm and keep his ability to hit that fastball where he needs to hit it. So something to look for the rest of the season with Ryan Tapera because he's, he's not going anywhere. Still very friendly team contract. So you'll still be with this club. It's just a matter of what role going forward. We'll talk about another player whose role has been questioned a little bit in Blue Jays media. And again, we'll end with something nice on the podcast right after this break. Okay, so we talked about the Ryan Barucki outing so far today. We said it was good until the Steve Pierce hit. And honestly, that Steve Pierce hit was made far worse than it should have been by Kevin Pillar. And this has been a criticism of Kevin Pillar as long as he's been the starting center fielder for Toronto that yes he makes some incredible plays some superman plays but he does make it harder on on himself with some of the routes he takes to the balls and that was very apparent on that Pierce hit last night where Pilar is jumping for it and he's not even close like he's a solid two three feet away from the ball and just instantly collides into the wall and what could have been kept in check as like a double at most, suddenly became, you know, that that ominous runner on third in a one-run game for the Blue Jays and and set Tapera up for failure, set Baraki up for failure as well. So by by trying to overcompensate for the misjudgment of the flight of that ball, Kembalar put himself in in greater peril by colliding into the wall put his pitchers in a tougher spot by allowing for extra bases to just be picked up easily. Made Randall Grichuk had to run over from right field just to be able to make the play on that ball. Like it it was just one error that wrecked a lot of good things that the Blue Jays had going for them. And yeah, Pilar had that RBI single in the sixth inning, but for the most part, you, you wonder what kind of contributions he's been able to give. And as more and more people talk about moving Kevin Pilar at the end of the season because he's that kind of tweener guy who maybe he's part of the next generation, maybe not. It doesn't look as good for Pilar when he has that tick in the negative category for, for taking a run like that. So that's something I did want to mention before we talk about happy things. And my big happy thing, aside from Ryan Barucki's performance last night was the double steal that the Blue Jays pulled off because they finally have players with speed and they can finally use them and they can finally do the trick that I've been doing on in baseball games for like 20 years. I called this the Ken Griffey Jr. trick on Twitter because every time on Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for the Super Nintendo, which is like the first sports game I ever owned, every time I would get like runners on first and third, like after a hit, I just start moving them back and forth, like 
I'm going to go second. No, I'm not. I'm going to go. No, I'm not. I'm going to second. No, I'm not. Just to get the ball going back and forth between the catcher and the second baseman or shortstop, whoever was on there. And then I just run, run them to second. They throw them. I'd run them both at the same time. Once the ball's in the air, you go to third. Exactly how the Blue Jays played it out last night. Uh, Devin Travis did a great job being able to read that. Ian Kinsler, to his credit, he realized it came in and cut off the throw. But it, it was just completely rushed. Great way for the Blue Jays to manufacture a run there, especially with Kevin Pillar at the plate, who's not got the best track record of driving in runs. But he, he did anyway, because Jonathan Davis moved over the third and scored on the Pilar single. So so they would have gotten the run anyway, but that way they got two. And that was great to see that kind of aggressiveness on the base path, something that the Blue Jays should be doing more as they get younger and are able to use their speed more. Again, guys like Jonathan Davis, Lourdes Gurriel, Billy McKinney, Anthony Alford when he comes up, Bo Bichette, he's got some wheels as well. When the Blue Jays are able to use their speed more, when they phase out this this older rung of their lineup, and get more dynamic on the base pass. That can only help them because then you don't have to start potentially disastrous hit and runs with Kendris Morales and Russell Martin on first base. You can you can be more dynamic. You can have guys like McKinney who can stretch from first to third on a single or go from second to home. Adding that kind of dynamic to the game will definitely help serve the Blue Jays in moving out of this mentality that they kind of trap themselves in where they play for the long ball because they don't have the consistent long ball hitters anymore. Edwin Encarnacion's not hitting 30 home runs for this club anymore. Jose Bautista's not hitting 50 home runs for this club anymore. You have to be able to create runs in this game. And watching the Blue Jays do that last night, it just made me happy and, and made me excited to see that facet of the Blue Jays offense coming more and more to focus as the youth comes up. So that that's the happiness. That's the positive I wanted to end with on today's show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you're not following the podcast on Twitter, do so at locked on Jays and make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to it on iTunes, on Google play, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, while you're there, why not follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. I'm always dishing out some Blue Jays takes whenever the, the games are on, except on Sundays. But that's uh, that's a separate thing. It's not a religious thing. Don't worry. I, I don't think it's a religious thing. Leader was very unclear on that. But anyway, be sure to follow me on there for Blue Jays takes. And again, just thank you all so much. We're listening to today's episode of Locked On Blue Jays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So for everyone here at that network, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you all again for listening, and y'all take care. <laughs>